Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the High Side News Podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded at 12 past 1 on the 23rd of May. This weekend, we have just had the third round of the British Superbike Championship from Donington Park, which both of my co-hosts attended. Joining me today to talk to you all about the latest news and BSB action is the usual short shift news duo of Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Good afternoon, Dawn. How are you doing? Fine, thank you, Luke. Good stuff. Uh, You've now attended all of the BSB rounds this season so far. Which has been your favourite one from this season and why? that's a hard one um i think really i the one i've just attended at donington park purely because of the weather was so nice and it made such a difference not being rained on and being too cold and as of normal the racing was fantastic so yeah i think i'd say round three fair enough uh hello jack how are you doing i'm good thanks good stuff uh a sunny Donington Park seemed to deliver good racing all round. Uh, what did you think of the, the racing from every class throughout the weekend? Yeah, it seemed to be good. Uh, the new track surface was quite popular, even though some people struggled with tyre wear. But racing in general was quite entertaining in pretty much all the classes. It did look that way on, a, on the TV as well. Um, now, before we get into the nitty gritty from the British Superbike weekend, we should turn our attention to the World Superbike paddock. Uh, where some bombshell news was released yesterday and some more news has been released minutes before we started recording today. Um, the the bombshell news was, of course, that Top Rack Raskatioglu will be leaving Yamaha at the end of this season and he'll be making a switch from, from Yamaha, a dramatic move to BMW. It's also just been announced now that uh, Andrea Locatelli will be staying at Pata Yamaha um, for the next two seasons. We'll talk about him in a moment. Dawn, when you first saw the announcement that Top Rack was going to leave Yamaha before any of the BMW stuff was announced, what did you immediately think and where did you hope he'd end up? Well, I was quite shocked when it actually came out, but me and Jack were discussing it and we thought, I even possibly thought Ducati that I thought, well, you know, obviously there may be a seat um, to partner Alvaro. And I thought, well, wouldn't that be the dream team for Ducati? And because we actually did say, well, there's Honda, there's BMW. And I just said, no way is it going to go to them two. Because to me, Toprak has come across that he wants race wins over perhaps the, the money a good contract could bring his way. Um, so I was just really shocked, very, very surprised. Yeah, we've sort of heard before that the the Red Bull deal that Top Rack has pays him enough to to sort of cover most of his expenses. So he doesn't really seem to go for the the money like you could say some people have in the past when moving to BMW. Um, Jack, the whole thing with with Top Rack leaving Yamaha, do you think it could be to do with him not getting on with the MotoGP bike? So he sort of decided now he'll stay in world superbikes or does that not really make sense because he's left Yamaha as a whole sort of thing it could make sense but I feel like he obviously knows what the package is capable of he knows what the package will probably be like in the coming week coming months and maybe year and if he wants to be Alvaro maybe he's come to the conclusion that being on a Yamaha is not the package to be on so that's possibly the reason why he decided to left. But I'm sure him and Keenan would have been 
discussing a lot, trying to understand the best situation. And obviously they came to the conclusion that leaving Yamaha was the best decision. Yeah, clearly they obviously think that it is best for them, whether that be financial or what they've been promised next year from BMW. Um, We'll go back to Locatelli. We'll stay with the Yamaha sort of bunch. So Locatelli staying for the next two seasons. I believe it's thoroughly deserved and it's the obvious choice. Dawn, what do you think when you look at it with it seems that Locatelli is now going to be Yamaha's number one rider for the next two seasons in World Superbikes. Yeah, definitely. He's really stepped up this season. I think he had a probably lacklustre season last year, but he's really stepped up this year and deserves to stay. You know, his form's been way up there this year. So, yeah, congratulations to him. Yeah. Um. So, Jack, do you think as well it, it's deserved and... Him staying, you know, like I just said, it, it seems like the, the obvious sort of move. And who do you think will will partner him? Because obviously that, you know, that factory Yamaha seat is now is now available. I know before we started recording, you were just making a list of who you think could be there. So who are your options for Pat Yamaha for next season? So I think the fav- if I was to pick a favourite, I'd take Domi Agata. He's won Moe, he destroyed everyone in Super Sport. He's had a really good rookie seat on the GRT Yamaha. So he's my favourite to go. You could pick Remy. He's a former Moto 2 world champion. Frankie Morbidelli, if he can't get a seat in GP, it makes sense to go to World. And I'm sure he'd get on that bike and fly. Scott Redding in a switch move from BMW to Yamaha. I don't think he's possible. Mandy, possibly. He's on the 10 car to Yamaha in Supersport, but I don't think he's doing quite enough to earn a spot. You've got Kyle Ride in BSB, even though I don't think... Despite like we've seen what Brad and Taz have been like in the world paddock, I think he'd probably have to bring some money or something like that. So that might be a bit unrealistic. But um, you could have Jake Gagne from AMA. He's been doing a good job on the Yamaha and he has expressed an interest in going to world. So that could be an option to look out for. Then I thought of someone from from Moto2 and I thought if I was to pick someone from Moto2, I'd maybe try and poach Joe Roberts. His riding style is very suited to a Yamaha style, and he's a bit lost in Moto 2 at the moment. And I think it'd be a bit like Locatelli, bring him out of Moto 2, put him in World Superbikes, and he could fly. I'm just going to pick up from the, the Joe Roberts thing, because that is one I hadn't thought of. That was a, a sort of out there sort of pick there compared to the rest of the list. Um, would it benefit him doing Super Sport first, do you reckon, like Locatelli, or do you think that? with his experience, he'd be able to go straight onto a world superbike and be competitive. I think he can be competitive on any bike he, he touches, really. See, he seems to be the kind of rider, maybe if you give him more power, he'll perform better. We saw that when he went from Honda to Triumph. As soon as he got onto a Calic chassis, he flew. So um, I think give him any bike, as long as it suits his riding style, I can't see why he can't perform. He... Did he race in the AMA Superbike or was he Super Sport? No, he's always been, I think he's always been in Europe, I think. Right, okay. That was, the, that was my next thing I was going to ask you. Has he ridden a, an R1 before? Obviously... He rides an R1 practice bike, I think. That, yeah, makes sense. Most of them seem to go that way. Um, obviously, the main thing is they will probably not be as talented as Top Rack is on a motorbike, that is for sure. I don't think there's many people who are as talented as Top Rack is with some of the stuff he pulls off. But um, Dawn, out of the names that 
Jack has just listed out who do you think would be the favourite to, to take Top Rack's ride and be number two to Locatelli? Uh, Domi Agata for me, I think. And I am wondering, do you think they're going to announce it tomorrow? Because we've had news Monday, we've had news Tuesday. Do you think we're going to go here tomorrow? I don't know. It, it, I've, I don't know if they'll be if the top rack things maybe caught them off guard, and that's why they've sort of released Locatelli straight after to sort of take the attention away from top rack and put it back in a, a positive way for Yamaha. Um, if they haven't got something lined up, and this top rack news is a bit of a surprise to them then it'll be interesting to see who they'll be sort of contacting now and who they'll be sort of cr- scrabbling to get the attention of at this at this point to uh, to race for the next season. I mean, they're second in the Manufacturers' Championship at the moment, Yamaha. Top Rack's second in the Championship. Locatelli's third, I think. So, I mean, you'd be silly to say no to Yamaha if they offered you the, the ride, especially at, at Pata Yamaha and... I agree with you, Dawn. I think Domi Agata would be the the main yeah. number one choice. Jack, who's your number one out of your list that you've... Uh, Domi. Domi, yeah. I think the experience and everything in that paddock sort of definitely suits him well and where he is. Now then, the big one that I thought was going to be the, the main talking point until more Locatelli stuff came out today. Top Rack. He is moving to BMW. He's following Michael Vandermark's footsteps from a couple of years ago. Dawn, bad move for Top Rack or potentially something that could work out for him? On everything that what we know at the moment, mm. you'd have to say it's a bad move. But there must be something that he thinks he can jump on that bike and maybe perhaps not win, but can definitely be a podium contender because... Somebody, you know, like Top Rack, he isn't going to want to settle for running in 12th, 13th, 14th place, round in, round out. So there must be something that he believes that they're going to offer him and to make it work for him. But massive shock. Yeah, um, it's what we've talked about before when talking about World Superbikes. The top BMW at the moment is Garrett Gerloff in 13th place. And you'd think with a rider like Top Rack, you'd look at that and he sort of would turn his nose up at the opportunity and sort of thing. But Dawn, do you reckon it could be a bit of maybe not arrogance, but overconfidence maybe from top rack with his riding ability that he'd make the difference with the machine, if that makes sense? Yeah, it could be. I mean, he doesn't necessarily come across like that, but he knows he's good. We all know he's good. So, but I think did Scott Redding think the same as well? You know, he come off the Ducati, he was winning races, he you know, he did put a really good performance in that latter um season he was with Ducati, so I just don't know. For me there's a massive question mark over it. Yeah, I think that is sort of the main thing for everyone at the moment. Why is sort of the main question. It'll be interesting at the end of the season when we can finally properly hear from Top because we'll hear probably snippets between now and uh, then yeah. on like Eurosport and stuff about what he said but mainly he's going to say I, I will continue my season strongly and focus my season with Yamaha will be the, the main line from all of it but <laughs> when his contract ends with Yamaha it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about the move to, to BMW when he's not held back contractually. Jack 
your thoughts on top rack to BMW. Do you think it's a bit of a, that bike in recent years has been a bit of a career killer, you could say, when you look at, at Scott and you look at Vandermark. Obviously, Vandermark's been injured twice uh, with his leg. Um, what what are your thoughts? Could it be a career killer for Top Rack, or do you think he will shock us and do well on the bike? I don't know about career killer, because you could say the Honda was a career killer for Bautista until he jumped back on the Ducati, but I just don't understand it at all. Like They've not shown any progress whatsoever since 2021 they've obviously they've had a couple of podiums with scott but they've never actually had a full-on weekend where they've fought in and out for a race win without say the weather or playing into their hands or something like that they've not actually had a full-on race where you're like oh they could win the closest we've got is probably tom sykes when the s1000 rr first came out in 2019 at donington before he crashed on crashing the red flag so I just don't understand it really. Then on Instagram, I did a a poll to see what people thought, and only four people have said it's a great move out of thirty. Everyone else is either unsure or thinks it's a terrible decision. So I think that sort of describes the the feel at the moment. But I just feel like it's a sort of situation where Bautista went to Honda and it went disastrously from Ducati. Reading went from Ducati to BMW to disastrously. Now Toprak seems to have not learnt anything from those two and must think, and for some reason thinks he can do something with that BMW. If he can, fair play, but I, I can't see it working because that bike, that bike seems to have struggled to have problems with braking sometimes. You see Scott braking and it just doesn't work. They generally seem to have no rear end in terms of tyre wear. So it's Big question mark for me why Toprak thinks it's a good move. Why Ke- maybe, And Keenan as well. Keenan's very experienced. So surprised Keenan would have gone, yeah, BMW, because I've not seen any, I've not seen it in the past two years, I've not seen anything apart from Scott Donington and the podium at Master Magni Corey has not done anything special. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. You never know. It might be the greatest decision ever made, like Rossi moving from Honda to Yamaha, but I just. I can't see it working. Yeah, we could sit here and, you know, when would it start next season? Uh, end of February, I think their season normally starts. So we could sit here at the, the beginning of March and be saying, we doubted Top Rack too early. We sort of, you know, put him down too early on. But I was just reading what, what he said about his his decision to leave Yamaha, not necessarily his decision to join BMW. That hadn't been announced at the time. But uh, with his line of... But if I am to stay in World Superbike, then I need a new target and new ambition. So the way I see that, I don't know if you interpret this the same, Jack, but sort of he sees BMW as a new challenge almost to take this back marker bike to the, the, the front end and fight for race wins on it. But my argument is he's 26 years old. He's in the prime of his career. That That's sort of the age that you consider a motorbike racer fully experienced now they're in the prime of their time this is when they should be winning championships um surely this is a move you'd make it like in his 30s sort of when you know his career starts fading off a little bit do you think it's too early for him to make the move to what is seen as a, a back-end team in, in world superbike and for his new challenge and new ambition not necessarily because you know bautista he's what 38 39 now and he's yeah. dominating the championship so time you know, he's probably he's got ten years, I'd say at least, 
So, but I do think this. I think this year and next year we're probably going to see Bautista win the championships, unless something happens. But that's the way it's looking. But as soon as Bautista goes, you've got this this big open pool of potential, and whether it's top rack's mission to maybe get on that bike next year, figure out the problems are, they try and get it developed for twenty twenty five when potentially Bautista's not there anymore, and we just wait and see what happens then. But I think it's it's a big risk for him, and I hope the risk pays off. But I can't. Just seeing what BMW have been like for the past five seasons, I can't see how it's going to materialise, but I'll happily accept being wrong if he, if he wins the World Championship with it. Oh, yeah. If he wins the World Championship, hats off to him. That you know, the, that'll, I will put that above Rossi winning on the Yamaha in, in 2004. That would be the, the greatest thing I've seen in motorbike racing. Um, Dawn, another question that Jack mentioned as well before the, the start of this. Who will Top Rack be replacing at Factory BMW? And Jack, I'll come to you in a, in a minute for this as well. But Michael Vandermark or Scott Redding, and and why? Which one do you think he'd he'd be replacing? You'd have to probably go with Scott Redding because you can obviously tell he's not happy there. He's just probably to me fulfilling his contract out for this season. Um, so. And Michael Vandermark, yeah, he hasn't had the results sometimes, but he's always seemed happy in that team to me. So um, if BMW had to actually, if they both wanted to stay and had to kick one out, I don't really know which who they'd probably go with there. But for me, I think Scott's going to leave. But yeah. to where, I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, the Scott thing as well is a is a difficult one. It's, it's really just, and I sort of thought something like this would happen in World Superbikes. I didn't necessarily think it'd be Top Rack that would start all this moving to BMW, but I think now we might see some musical chairs start happening, and I enjoy that. I love Silly Season. I love a rumour. Um, Jack, who do you see Top Rack partnering next season, and who do you see walking out the door from, from BMW? I think we could be seeing a reunion of the 2020 Pata team. For next season, because I can't see Scott wanting to stay boomed up because he's clearly frustrated, he's clearly not happy, and the constant problems with the bike. It's, I think Scott would just want to go on a different bike and try and prove to himself that he's still got talent and try and prove to everyone he's still got the talent. So, yeah, um, you know, Top Rack and Vandermott get on very well, Vandermott's very happy in the team, he's not had his chance to showcase his potential on the, on the BMW over the past two years with his legs being injured constantly being sent to the sky but um, hopefully we can see um, Toprak and Vandermark as a team again because they did very well in 2020 uh, but Scott, if Scott leaves I have no idea where he'll go, Kawasaki, Honda um, I don't know, Yamaha <laughs> go anywhere Yeah I was, I was just looking because World Superbike had just released a an article about sort of uh, looking at the big questions that have come out since uh, the top right news. And one of the things is the Scott Redding thing. And I was just reading to see if they have any idea of what could be happening, sort of starting any rumours. And it seems like they're clueless as well, like like we are, of, of what could be happening. There's a, there's this whole situation, like you said, Dawn, there's just question marks now around everything of what could be happening, who could be where. I agree with you both. I think it'll be Vandermark that he'll partner. Scott's 
been unhappy. Uh, I'd be tempted to throw Garrett Gerloff's name into the ring of someone who could make the move up to the, the factory ride with how he's been the best BMW this season. But, yeah, I think that Scott's going to leave is the only thing I can say. is I, I'd be not certain, but I'm very sure that we'll see Scott Redden leave in BMW. Where he'll go, that's another thing. We'll have to wait and, wait and see what he says and what he does, but it's all just a bit confusing is probably the best way uh let's move on to to bsb where we know the results we know what happened sort of thing not just questioning and sort of sat here thinking this could happen and that could happen we know luckily from this what did happen and we know that uh now after the weekend of racing at donington park tommy bridewell is the uh, bsb championship leader leading from glenn Irwin and josh brooks uh yeah, I'd say I'm just looking through the results, trying to think who was the, the top rider in terms of points. I'd have a guess and say... Carl Rado Haslam, I'd imagine. Yeah, I was just having a look at that, and I was going to say Haslam or Ride would be my my two that I'd pick, because Ride crashed in the second race, and that's the only reason yeah. that... Uh, both races, whereas Haslam got mm. third, fourth, and then ninth. It is Kyle Ride just by two points. Yeah. yeah. So that is, yeah, Kyle Ride, rider of the round, despite a, despite a crash. Obviously, the, the, the main man, you could say, at, at Donington, dominated the, the weekend in terms. Um, started from pole as well, won the sprint race, won the, the, the final race of the weekend, crashed out of the lead in the, the second race. Jack, what did you make of Kyle's weekend? Obviously, the crash sort of puts a dampener on it, but overall, it looked like a solid weekend from Kyle to get his championship back on track. Yeah, it was great, and it was just—I was really happy to see that he never tailed off at any point. He just continued, stayed on a progressive line, always at the front, never looked to be stopped. And apart from that one mistake in in race two, he looked pretty much untouchable and just rode perfect races and didn't really put any wheels wrong apart from once so i think he i think he'd be a bit annoyed at himself because he probably could be leading the championship but you know to think to have a crash and still be the best rider out the weekend is um is good going for him yeah because in that same race that he crashed out of uh glenn Irwin also went down and tommy had a mechanical i think yeah. for yeah so the, the front two in the championship uh would have probably have had those same things and if Kyle had stayed on then he would be yeah he'd be ahead by what would be eight points I think if my math's correct probably not um but yeah so maybe missed out a little bit there but Dawn Kyle Ride hasn't won a race since the opening race at Silverstone uh what what did you think of his sort of not comeback because he's still been there really throughout most of the season but what did you think of his return to the podium and the top step again yeah, very strong. And like Jack said, he didn't sort of, because quite often he starts around quite sharp or a race and then he tends to just fall back in the order and you think, oh, but no, he, he led from pole, you know, pole position. And and even like in race three, you think, oh, he didn't let him obviously get to him the mistake. He regrouped, led the race again. So an absolute perfect weekend and hopefully can continue this now. Yeah, hopefully this will be the the sort of 
catalyst again to spark uh, Bridewell to spark Ride on to have a an even stronger season from where he is. Um, it's very close at the top of BSP. That's uh, one thing that the only thing you can take really from the weekend. Ten points now separate the top five. Um, with Tommy Bridewell, Glenn Irwin, Josh Brooks, Leon Haslam, and Kyle Ride all involved now within that top five. Ten points between each other. We'll talk about we'll talk about Leon as another rider who I think had a very strong uh, round at Donington Park. Still hasn't picked up that first race winner this season. Does look like it's coming. Does look like it's on the possibility to be there. Tailed off a little bit throughout the weekend, especially in the final race. Um, Jack, what did you make of the pocket rocket on his rocket BMW this weekend? I thought it was very impressive because he seemed to be the only BMW that could make the bike work with the others. Seemingly struggling to get, as far as I can tell, there's something with the tyres. Don't know why, but the tyres just weren't activating or something like that. But Leon didn't have those problems. But then as the weekend progressed, for some strange reason, he just got... He didn't get slower, he just... The pace, I guess, moved on, or he just... They couldn't make the right steps. So I think he'd be a little bit annoyed at himself and that he couldn't... Especially with the safety car, like, that was a golden opportunity to win the race, but fortunately he couldn't make the best. He got, wor- he got, he got worse for him, in fact, but... I think, you know, he's he, at this stage of the championship, the points aren't everything because um, the, 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 you don't get, there's not much of a risk change between first, second and third and fourth and fifth. So it's all about just getting these top five, top six finishes as much as possible. So I think at this stage, Leon's, he's like the only rider to finish inside the top seven or eight this, this season. So um, after Josh's um, problems in race three, so I think... He's the most consistent one of the moments he's yet to taste victory, and I think we'll be seeing that soon. I just don't know when because it seems like he's just missing that tiny little extra thing. But I definitely think at Cadwell, I'll say he'll be winning there because he's usually good at Cadwell, but I just don't know if like, anywhere else he can take victory. He'll be very close and tight. Yeah, um, yeah. his worst result of this season has been eighth place in the final round at, uh, at Donington this weekend. Uh I imagine it was tyre wear issues, like you said. The BMW seemed to be struggling with all of them. So, uh, yeah, just a strong round again from Leon and was my pick for the championship, so I'm hoping it continues. I enjoy seeing him at the front. Um, we'll move on to Tommy Bridewell because, again, despite his, his problem in, in race two, which can't be helped, he was still fighting at the front until that problem occurred. A solid weekend again, really, from, from Tommy. Dawn... What did you think from from his showing on the the PBM Ducati? Two second places in the two races that he finished, sort of best of the rest, really behind Kyle Ryden, both of those races. Yeah, definitely a very strong performance from Tommy. And I, I myself was, and I think probably a few people did doubt how he would um, sort of cope in this new team. But it doesn't seem to be a problem. He seems to have gelled with the bike. He's gelled with the team. If you see him out and about with his team members, at all. Really, he looks really happy and in a very good place. So happy riders, a fast rider. You know, it was like, unfortunately, he had a technical. That was nothing to do with him. So he hasn't put a foot wrong all weekend. And, yeah, he is a strong contender this year, for sure. Oh, yeah, leads to leads the championship by three points from his teammate. Um, yeah, he really... A, a lot of pe- people in the past have doubted Tommy and his ability to sort of fight for a championship. But I think this is his best opportunity that we've seen for Tommy and if it can continue then 
I, I have no doubt come Brands Hatch in October that we could be seeing Tommy Bridewell crowned as the, the British Superbike champion. Um, Jack, Glenn Irwin, obviously just come back from the Northwest, had success there in the Superbike class with PBM. Um, he usually gets stronger as the weekend goes on at BSB. Did show that pattern again with a a fifth and a I have lost him on my screen. Fifth and a third place finish throughout the weekend. What did you make of of Glenn's weekend after his return from road racing? I think it was okay. I think I think he would have wanted definitely more, and I think he'd be frustrated himself of race two as the whole losing a lot of places at the start and crashing out at Red Dick. But um, overall, it was a strong. You know, he ended this weekend strong, and he's you know he's podiumed every. He's one of three riders now to podium. Uh, no, one of four riders to have podium in every round so far. So I think he'll be happy. He's, he's lost the championship lead, but he's not that far behind. And luckily for himself, Tommy, well, Tommy, Josh and um, Kyle all had a, a bad race somewhere to their fault or not. So I think um, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be content with being second in the championship and taking away some decent points. Yeah, I think, uh, Really, again, only three points behind. He may have lost the championship lead, but it's so close at the top. And really, I sort of didn't, I'm going to talk about the new point system a little bit here. The new point system I sort of doubted coming into this season. I didn't really see the point of changing it, but I'm kind of glad they did because it's kept this, this standings between the top five so close compared to how, how it would have been. And even you look at sixth and seventh place, they're on the same amount of points. Even eighth and ninth are on. Uh, eighth and ninth place in the championship are on the same points so there are these little battles that are opening up throughout the championship and as long as this front at least three stay close together throughout the season then it will be very entertaining to see how it all ends up with this new this new system in place um someone i did want to point out as well dawn i'll ask you a little bit about jason o'halloran had one race in race two where which was by far his best result of the weekend in race one in the sprint race he finished 14th place tire choice it, it seemed like from from watching on the, the tv seventh place in race three and a race win in race two what what happened for race two for jason o'halloran because it sort of came out of nowhere no one sort of expected a podium from him let alone a, a race win what how, how was it taken at the track sort of thing by by the fans I think it was just obviously because of the safety car. It just bunched everybody up and gave him that opportunity. I suppose you have to think, well, would he perhaps not have done that had that not happened? But it's just very sort of up, down, up, down, which is not what you're used to really seeing from him. You know, he, he he's normally fighting for podium positions. So I think it's good for him because he definitely needed that win, definitely. But then I suppose it didn't reflect so much in race three. I did expect him to be at least perhaps on the podium for race three. So still still needs a little question mark over for Jason for this season, unfortunately. Yeah, Alton Park wasn't great for Jason. Silverstone was pretty average start, really, for McCams and, and Jason. And really, this has been the high point of their season so far with, with McCams. Uh, a lot of people before the season were picking Jason as their favourite, and I think that's slowly slipping away and Kyle's Yamaha's number one sort of runner now um Jack back over to the BMW side of things with Josh Brooks do you think and really Fayho, the FHO racing team as a whole 
do you think a little bit of their mind was on the start of the TT next week, or do you think there was just problems with the bike with with Donington Park with the rear with the rear grip and rear tire wear? I think it was just um, one of those weekends where for some reason it just wasn't working. But yeah. Josh, he he, despite that, he picked up a sixth place in the podium in the first two races. He he seemed like his natural speed with a fresh tire wasn't fantastic, but his pace just stayed exactly the same and got and actually got better as the race got on for some strange reason. So in terms of tire wise, we're completely fine. And then in race three, four, I read they were having. Josh was having like big vibrations on the brakes and big vibrations on acceleration, all these kind of things, which is why he had why he didn't do so well in race three. If he hadn't done that, he probably would have. I would imagine he'd probably been inside the top six, like he has been all season. So I think he'd be a bit frustrated about that. But I think, but for Hickman, I have no idea what went wrong with him. He just sort of never turned up from the word go. I mean, I'm sure he'll come to the TT. He'll be flying like he always is, but. It just didn't seem to... He just couldn't get over the problems like Josh could. So, let's just wait and see to knock kill. But um, I think Josh did some good damage limitation. Unfortunately, race three, I don't think that could have been helped with whatever the actual problems were. But I think to walk away and still being within touch of the championship, obviously, he did lead the championship going into race three. So, I think um, overall, Feho will be happy with how Josh has done. Yeah, it seems like he is really adapting to this BMW well, and that's by far his worst result of the season. But when you look at the, the grand scheme of things, like you've said, he is still in, in touch with the championship, five points behind. So it's not, like you said, damage limitation. It's not the end of the world from there, from there weekend. And come knock hell, I'm sure he'll be fighting at the front again. Um, yeah, the whole Peter Hickman thing was, was strange to look at as well. His best result was a seventh in the second race, and that was only because... Really, the amount, the large amount of DNFs from the front runners in in that round, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, like you said, sure at the TT, he'll be out at the front fighting for, you know, taking home the glory at the TT as always. Another rider we really should mention, uh, Ryan Vickers. I'd call that his breakthrough round of his BSB career from from what he's had, and I hope it continues because he he seems like a nice guy and he's he's been around for a while now. First year on the the Yamaha on the OMG race of Yamaha taking Brad Ray's seat. Dawn, what, what were your thoughts on Ryan Vickers? Because obviously a second place in race two, and backed it up with a fourth place in in race three. What were your thoughts on on Vickers' weekend? I was really pleased for him. You could see he was quite emotional. I think um, on his podium interview, it's been a long time coming. But he's got the talent. We all know he's very fast. It's just managing to manage the bike, stay on the bike. And he's obviously getting a little bit, you know, he's still young, but, you know, he's maturing now. So I really do hope now this is the start of something for him because he's in a great team and I know they'll look after him. But, yeah, it was so good to see. That must have been, felt like a race win for him just, you know, to get second. And then, like to say, to follow it up with a fourth, just missing out on the podium, but it's still a strong um, position to finish the weekend in. Yeah, because he had an absolute horror show last season really with the the FHO racing team and yeah. actually to see her go over and congratulate him was was quite nice as well after uh, race that, yeah. Park, yeah but yeah he's already what 15 points off what he was last season as a whole after the whole the whole year of racing so I think he's going to beat that quite comfortably if he can carry this on throughout some of the the next rounds coming up Jack do you think 
Vickers can take this and use it as momentum into Knock Hill and pick up some good points as the season progresses. I hope so. I think the key for the Vickers is to just, I think, just to keep finishing races, no matter how fast or slow he is. Just keep finishing races because that's been his one weakness. I'd say usually do if you if you see him on the floor, it's not that much of a surprise. But hopefully that Yamaha's giving him a bit more feel than the Kawasaki and the BMW have over the past few years, and he can understand the limits a bit better. And hopefully just keep picking up those top tens, top fives, podiums, and maybe even a race win. At some, I'm sure he'd love to win at Snetterton, being his home circuit. Uh, we'll just have to see how that gets on, but I'm sure. His goal is just to keep finishing races and trying to improve himself as a rider. Yeah, he's he's got the talent. You know, he's still a, a young rider as well. So, and he's in a good team, and it looks like it's starting to work for him now. And hopefully, it will it will continue this season, and he'll be challenging towards. Well, maybe could even catch Jason O'Halloran, where he's only twenty points ahead of him in the championship. So, could be an interesting to see how uh, how that ends up at the end of the season. Um. I guess we've got to talk about him, really. We've got to bring up the Andrew Irwin sort of situation. We spoke about his brother. Social media has have had their say on on Andrew now, and it seemed like majority was negative, slating Andrew for for the for the round. Obviously, if you hadn't seen it, Andrew Irwin crashed with, took out, however you want to call it, in race one. Christian Hidden they got involved in an incident. Race two, crashed out on his own. And race three, I don't think there's any other way to put it, really, than he took out Storm Stacy. Same sort of incident as, as Christian in, in in race one. So a weekend of no points for Andrew. So not, not a great Donington Park round for him. Jack, what did you make make of it all? Uh, you know, you said you you, know, you you were there and saw Storm Stacy walking away from, from the incident in, in race three. Have you had a chance to look back at the the racing and see the see the moves and the crashes? It just seems like it just was never meant to be for him. The Christian crash was sort of we've seen crashes like them before where he's made the move and then as they've both gone to exit, they've both just collided into the same line and that one is sort of like a race more road racing incident compared to race three where with Storm he just went to the side of him when there was no gap at all, so um, obviously, the plan obviously must have expected Storm to run wide, given how tight he took the corner. But Storm, with how big he is, he could probably just use all of his weight and size to stop the bike a bit better and get it leaned over a bit more. And fortunately, just got clattered into. But I think, I think for for Andy, it'll just be a he'll just need to completely forget the weekend happened, accept his penalty that he's been given, and just try and reset because you can't really be. I don't think he even completed more than five laps in in the races. Something he crashed on lap to be he crashed on lap two, lap three, and lap three. So that would have been yeah, he would have completed five laps. So yeah, you know, in in a in a in a round where you do uh, like what like over fifty laps, it's quite pathetic, really. And I'm sure Hervé, Hervé, uh, not Hervé, um. Harvey Beltran, he won't be impressed with how that weekend's gone, but I'm sure they'll all get together and come up a plan to try and bounce back at Knock Hill. Yeah, it's uh, after a decent on park round as well. It's not how Andrew probably saw this this round going. Dawn, you sort of have to feel bad as well for, 
for Christian and, and Storm Stacy because they were having strong rounds. Both of them arguably having, well, Storm had the, this picked up the same amount of points he did at Alton. But at the time of the incidents in both race one and race three, Christian and Storm were on for their best rounds of the season so far and really, you know, not to the extent of Vickers, but a bit like Vickers, sort of maybe a breakthrough round for them this season. Because you look at both of them, they've both been having not great starts when you look at Christian, especially. What did you think, especially when you see who it who it was and how they were doing at the time with in the incidents with Andrew? Yeah, it's just really unfortunate. And you feel for Christian because he, he always tends to get tangled up. I mean, I can remember Andrew Irwin taking him out a couple of seasons ago at Redgate on a very similar move. It always seems to happen to Christian. And plus, he hadn't been very well after that as well. I think he had a, a stomach bug. So I think it's just unfortunate for him. It's been one one of those to forget. And, and like I say, Storm, he seems to be coming through quite strongly this season. And who knows, you know, he must got off the bat. Like, who knows what I could have done in that round if, you know, you hadn't knocked me off. So it is difficult, but you've got to think it's racing at the end of the day. But he has been punished for his move on Storm. So, you know, Storm will know that he, you know, it was Andrew's fault. Storm did nothing wrong. So onwards and upwards to the next round. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to, to think about it, really. Onwards and upwards here for for really both the right for all the riders involved and the teams themselves as well. Um obviously, yeah, the backlash on social media not not deserved. A lot of people pointing fingers. He's been penalised, that's sort of all that can be done now and it'll, it'll be left there and it'll be dealt with at, at Knock Hill with his penalty. Um we'll talk about super sport and we'll uh I'll Dawn, I'll go straight to you with Macadam Racing. How uh, how was the weekend for them? Because from the outside looking in, it looked like it would have been a, a good time down in the Macadam Racing garage, especially after race one. What what was the atmosphere like after race one as well? Because I know race two and Sunday wasn't great with with Max had a had a crash in warm up as well. So how was it on the, the Saturday with, with Tom's performance? Yeah, on the Saturday it was very good. Very strong performance by Tom. And it was great to taste uh, Prosecco for the first time and uh, watch Tom on the podium. He rode brilliantly. We knew going into Saturday that he was gone. He got strong pace and he knew what he had to do. And, you know, it was unfortunate that the two leading riders went down. You just couldn't sort of believe that. But, you know, he was in a great battle with some other riders and held his head, kept it all. And it was a real good uh, race, race one. And like I say, unfortunately, Sunday morning, Max... Um, got headed with what we thought was a head injury after he crashed in morning warm-up, so it was all a bit anxious. But uh, he went to hospital, had loads of tests, unfortunately, no head injury, but he's just really battered and bruised at the moment. Got a real thick lip, but thankfully, and he's very lucky that he's home now and he's just got to rest up and hopefully he'll be okay for Knock Hill. That's good to hear. I was going to ask you actually just then what, um, what the situation is with Max now, because he had a good race as well, finished 11th place in, in yeah. race one. So yeah. it, it all seems to be going the, the way of Macadam at the moment. Was there thoughts during race one that Tom could potentially take victory? Because I know at, at points he was close to um, Van Sekelris, who was winning the race. So was there, you know, the thoughts of maybe this could be his first win of the season or was that sort of a bit of a step too far at the time? Oh, no, they definitely believe he can win. Tom has got the pace to win. I think sometimes 
Um, he starts sometimes haven't been quite as sharp as they'd like, things like that. But he's fast riding. He's definitely got the pace to win. And I don't think it'll be long before he'll be on that top step. Yeah, fair, yeah. looking at the, the, the racing on, on TV as well, he does look like he is a strong rider and definitely deserves to be on that grid. Um, Jack, what did you make of the, the Supersport races as a whole? We had Van Sekelris winning in race one and then Tom Bufamos winning in uh, race two. Obviously, Bufamos and Ben Curry had crashes in race one while leading. It was just chaos. Is that really the, the best way to put the Supersport races? Yeah, it was just like... Tommy Famous was massively faster than everyone else. I didn't know what they'd done, what he was doing, but they were massively faster than everyone else and then obviously tipped off at Melbourne Lupin and Curry. Um, whether he just took his eye off the ball for two seconds, he does, I don't think he even knows what happened. He ended up on the floor and we were always like, oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, it's a, it's a gift because it sort of like eliminated Tom's mistake from Alton. It sort of just levelled everything out and it's as if like nothing happened. So... Yeah, for for McAdam's side, it was um, we're, it was very fortunate, and now Tom's not that far in the championship. But I think as a racing as a whole, I think race two was a little bit. The start of it was okay, but it got a little bit dull at the end because everyone sort of just spread out as the tires changed with the tire wear and everything. But I think overall was good. Yeah, it looked like it was a a good weekend all round. McAdam had a a strong showing. Um... And yeah, he uh, Tom is now fifth in the championship, nine points off the lead, so he's still in touch as well. So hopefully more to come from from him this season, and we'll see him keep fighting at the front. Uh, going away from the racing, I was just going to ask you you guys separately about the the short shift news stuff from this weekend, because I know you were both very busy doing uh interviews with the the talent cup lads. How did how did that go? Who did you get interviews with? Who can you know people expect to see? articles about uh, in the coming future on the short shift news website yeah we had a great um time on saturday doing the interviews um we interviewed harley mccabe ollie horner philip shurak i don't know if i spelled this pronounced that right sorry ryan frost ted wilkinson julian correa harrison desoy alexander rowan um and sullivan mouncey Harrison McKay. And there's a few more that I didn't unfortunately get round to going to because sometimes the riders weren't there, but hopefully we can perhaps do a video interview with those. But all the riders we spoke to, they were great. They were really engaging, how they answered the questions and everything. So um, we're going to try and get an article out um, every day. Uh, I've done one this morning on Sullivan because he won race one. And then uh, Harrison Desoy will go out tomorrow. So it was really good. And it was great to be in the paddock with them all and hearing what they had to say and just seeing a little bit behind the scenes of what goes on in a British Talent Cup team. Yeah, it seems that there is uh, some exciting and interesting stuff to come from Short Shift News is, uh, with the, the Talent Cup side, of course, and uh, I'll be reading them and I, I look forward to seeing them. And it looked from what I've seen on both of your, your Instagrams and Facebook that it, it looked like it was it was good fun to be in and around the uh the paddock with with those boys um i think that just about wraps up everything from from this weekend really from donington park from the news side of things uh and for the first time this season i can say looking into this weekend we have nothing on the cards there's no bsp no world superbike and no moto gp um 
First time this season getting to say that. Seems a bit weird to be saying there'll be no bike racing on this weekend. Uh, but next week is the start of the qualifying week for the Isle of Man TT. So there may not be an episode next week, depending if anything major happens news-wise or if anything major from the TT comes about. We'll play it by ear and, and see what occurs. Uh, make sure to, to follow the Highside News account on Facebook and Instagram on at Highside News. And also make sure to follow the Short Shift News page as well and all of us on social media. Our links are all in the description down below. Thank you to everyone for listening and goodbye.